Hey, it's Richie, and before we officially start the show, you guys know it's the middle of March, which means the tournament, it's finally here. The brackets are set, and the teams are ready to hit the court. And DraftKings, they are celebrating with their largest free college basketball survivor pool. $1 million in total prizes are up for grabs. All you gotta do to enter this free contest is... Just pick one team per day, and if they win, you survive and advance to the next round. The last person standing is the winner. Remember, you can only pick one team once for the entire tournament, so choose wisely. That's DraftKings and DraftKings.com. You can get in on all of the week's action by downloading the app and entering the promo code THPN during sign-up. To enter that free $1 million survivor pool, again, that's promo code THPN to enter the DraftKings free $1 million survivor pool. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. everyone hope you all had a wonderful saint patrick's day um i didn't get to do my traditional irish car bomb this year which was kind of sad i didn't get to do it last year either um so i don't know maybe i'll have to double or triple up next year but uh, i did at least get an irish whiskey um frost gelato in so that that at least was something um Someone who particularly enjoys whiskey and probably would have enjoyed my snack tonight is my wonderful and amazing co-host, as always, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing? Hello, Corey. I'm doing terrific as we are recording on St. Patrick's Day. Now, I have one extra Guinness left in my refrigerator. If you would like to hurry over here with some... um, what 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 else goes in a car bomb? It's like Irish. Is it Irish cream liqueur? Is that what it is? Um, I think so. I mean, there. It, what was funny is they had a gelato that was so they had an Irish whiskey gelato and then they had a Guinness, uh, gelato and I was like maybe I should get them both, and make an Irish car bomb out of gelato. And then I was like, there's no way I could. It's it's um it's a special, it's like a condensed version of it. It's a lot healthier than like actual gelato, but um it's very filling. There's no way I could have had both of those. But let me see. An Irish car bomb. Um I think I know, but I just want to Irish cream. say that say it correctly. That's what I thought. Ba- it's the same thing. So that's what it was. But my thing that I had was Bailey's Irish cream. Um the gelato I had. So I was going to say, I thought it was exactly what I would have combined when I was there, but I didn't want to uh, say it incorrectly. But yeah, I normally do that. Um, Our friend Dom, I do it with him every year. And then, um, and then you joined us two years ago, right? Yes. Yep. So um, yeah. So you got to join in on our, our yearly fun, which was much better when you actually have a an actual shot glass as opposed to um, the first time that I had an Irish car bomb was um, in Tempe and the bar had plastic shot glasses. So when you drop it in there, it just floats. So you have to like actually like dump it instead of drop it. And it's just not as much fun. Yeah, exactly. Why why would they why were they doing that? Were they just lazy and cheap? I don't know. It was an Irish bar, too. And that's the thing I don't understand. Is it was an Irish bar. It was really like busy that night, obviously, because it was St. Patrick's Day. And so um, you know, everyone was just like in there. They the funny part is it was like they had a live band which was playing like literally 
early 2000s rock which was really funny <laughs> but then they also broke out some like older stuff like they broke out some africa which if the for the people who know my fiance he loses his shit when he hears africa so um yeah it, it that was um that was pretty cool um but yeah the the atmosphere was really cool their irish car bombs got like a negative five because of the fact that that's how I had to experience my first Irish car bomb. Like it was kind of disappointing. I looked very confused at first because I couldn't drop it. Um, but you know, I, it's, it's whatever. It's the same thing as like when you do soggy bombs, if someone doesn't give you an actual like glass, mm-hmm. it's pointless, right. completely pointless. Oh yeah. 100%. So. You know, the first time I ever did Irish car bomb is when I lost a bet. I I had a, we had like a a group outing um, around um, Christmas time, I believe. Like it was our our pre our holiday outing as a station. So it was myself and a bunch of others from the station, and I made a bet with Jody Ayler, and I was like, and Jody was like, okay, Richie, you have to take an Irish car bomb shot every time the Rams score a touchdown. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. Cause the Rams were terrible at the time. Right. They, their offense was dog shit. And so I was like, all right, I'll do that. They ended up scoring 28 points and winning the game that night. And so I did four Irish car bomb shots over the course of three hours. And, um, that was quite the interesting experience. (laughs) I'll tell you that much. Yeah, that I, I wouldn't have agreed to doing multiple Irish car bombs for anything. Like one is good enough. It's so much fluid to be ingesting Mm -hmm. that I would be like, "Mm," I I would be topping it off at that. I mean, like, I guess maybe, maybe guys can um, handle that a little bit better, but yeah, I, I would not be betting on that for about, anything just because of the fact that uh that's that's a lot of fluid to be like downing all at once especially guinness like very heavy sits very heavy it's really hard for me to drink more than like one or two of them and i nurse them for that reason because they're like they're that way they're super thick and heavy and so that was the toughest part of it and uh and yeah but they're good though i love it delicious delicious to do um i'm trying to remember like i think between when i did it with you and dom who like i think dom crushed his i think i may have finished well i just sent you the and yours third i yeah i just sent you the the video it's on my instagram and i in my defense i am standing there after working the coyotes game in heels and a dress just downing this irish car bomb so, I and I was the only the only female just chilling there downing this Irish. Oh bomb. yeah, there's but, the video. I mean, technically, yeah. So look I have at, I have the video on my Instagram. Go. Look at Dom go. Dom crushed it. I think I finished second. Yeah, and I was then... behind because I was, like I said, drinking the Guinness part of it is like the longest part of it. Mm-hmm. I am not a, I am not a chugger. Yeah, no, like, exactly. that is not one of especially especially for Guinness, which, like I said, very acqui- uh, Guinness is a very acquired taste for your beer, and uh, you either love it or you hate it. I love it. Like I said, I I, I bought some. I've been drinking it all week, um, in anticipation of this quarantine edition of St. Patrick's Day that we are doing this year, and um, and yeah. So, but I I may, we'll do maybe we'll do it down the road here. We'll we'll do like a. Because every day could be a, an Irish car bomb day. doesn't have to be a St. Patrick's Day thing. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have to get with Dom and do a belated St. Patrick's Day um, car bomb. Because, I mean, I think Dom... I can't remember if Dom has gotten his first vaccine yet or not. I know his family has. Mm-hmm. And, and you're going to get yours soon. I'm double vaccinated. We can... Mm-hmm. We can start 
doing this eventually. We can yeah. gather to do a uh, an Irish car bomb uh, makeup. Yes, we're long overdue for that, in my opinion, because we haven't been together as a group, I feel like, obviously in well over a year. So um, once everybody's vaccinated, I feel like we're getting close to that happening. Joe Biden had has said last week that every American's going to be eligible to get the vaccine by May 1st and seemingly by, you know, June-ish, middle of June, late June, we're going to be near or at uh, herd immunity, which would be incredible. And then we can actually all go back to living our normal lives. And that, that would be a beautiful the thing. Funny part, the funny part is, of, of course, for those who don't know, my birthday is July 5th. The day that, of course, that he said like, oh, um, everything's going to, everyone's going to be able to hang out on July 4th again. I'm always just like, no, no, I don't <laughs> want things to be super busy on my birthday. <laughs> Stay home <laughs> on my birthday. Right. right. I want to be able to actually do shit. <laughs> that's be funny. hung over that day. Go, go hard on the 4th and then... That's the one bright side about your birthday being the day after a massive drinking holiday. Everyone mm-hmm. can be super hungover so that you can have your day while everyone else is hungover. It's like you having your birthday usually right after the Super Bowl or right yeah, before right the on, Super Bowl. Right you know, on. It's Super Bowl weekend most, most years. Yeah. <laughs> so then they're so busy focusing on the Super Bowl. It gives you space to actually do shit on your birthday. Yeah, I mean, yeah. when when all this isn't going on. Exactly, exactly. So that's our St. Patrick's Day conversation, everybody. <laughs> Congratulations! It's our, it's our. I would say our alcohol conversation. It's funny you would think that we drink more alcohol than we actually do. Um, I, that was actually a joke that we were. I was actually saying I have a, um, a a small bachelorette party that I'm going to and. Um, all of us were talking about how the fact we can't drink the way that we drank before. Um, I used to actually be able to put down quite a bit of alcohol. Um, I'm now like two glasses of wine in and I'm like starting to feel a buzz and I'm like, what is going on with me? So, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how that's going to go because there's going to be a lot of like wine tasting involved and then like drinking before and after the wine tasting so i don't know how much like actual tasting we will do but it it's it's kind of one of those things where you feel that you're officially getting old <laughs> damn it Corey! you just had to bring that up didn't you you know that's a soft spot for me hey i'm not kidding you there is two moms like the bride's mom and the groom's mom are going to be there. And they are the ones that were suggesting to the bride that uh, she should um, she should start drinking now so she can build her tolerance up by next week. And I think that's hilarious that the moms are more prepared than we are. So we're acting older than them. And my sarcastic ass has to say afterwards oh well don't worry we'll get you a bedazzled trash can to which her mom responded i'm going to get her a trash can for us to bedazzle tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) that's ridiculous so as much as i'm we may sound like alcoholics on here because we like to talk about alcohol we really aren't um, we just, we just like the finer things of, of alcohol in life and on special occasions and such. And we, we drink very casually. I just feel like it is funny cause I say that, but I think the whole network, I feel like talks about alcohol, like a decent amount. Oh, for sure. The rest of the network are full blown alcohol, alcoholics at this point. They're all in, most of them <laughs> are in their, are in their early twenties. And so they're in their college years and that's, that's like, that's your prime drinking era. Right. But like for us who post-college we're older now, it's like, well, those days are past us now. We like, you know, this about me, Corey. I usually, even, even when I was with you going out drinking more often than not, like I was still more of the always drink to enjoy. Like I would 
I wouldn't get the the stuff to get you hammered. I would always get like the top notch beer I would be drinking or or a good whiskey that I would be sipping on. And that's how I that's how I would drink. And I so that's what I do. Like I just drink to enjoy now. Like I drink drink a Guinness to enjoy it. I have the gentleman Jack that you bought me that I'm that I, I drink once in a while to enjoy it. I have the new bottle of Brothers Bond bourbon coming at some point over the next month or so. So excited. And I'm super excited about that and to give that a try. Um, do you care to explain why Brothers Bond Bourbon for just for the people that don't know Corey and why you and I are both excited about it? Because it is owned by um, I'm just they, they've been in other things too, so I'm just gonna say that they've been oh they're owned by Ian Summerhalder and Paul Wesley. Um, and I'm not even going to say what they were in together. It's it's for there's probably a lot of guys who listen to this that have no fucking idea about Vampire Diaries. But like, so they were in Vampire Diaries together. That's where they drink um, tea that was supposed to be bourbon in the show. So they decided uh, that they were going to make their own bourbon because they loved to drink it and they kind of like bonded over it. So they made their own bourbon. But like, I've heard so many stories about this about how they like put it all together and how they like Ian like was a mad scientist and is like in a basement, like creating this thing. And like, it's actually been, you know, gone, it's gone through different um, reputable magazines and companies and stuff like that, that actually say it's good. I am not like the biggest, like whiskey bourbon, any of those type of drinker so it's going to be gin any of that like i don't um i mean i i do drink aviation gin again because it i am a sucker for the uh uh the celebrity owned thing um i love ryan reynolds and he he made that one so i i do drink that one sometimes when i'm out at restaurants and such but um yeah that's why we're we're both pretty jazzed for it i'm really excited because i feel like part of what they're doing is they're using the fact that there are so many like girls my age. First of all, I'd like to point out props to Richie and Kat. Uh, Richie and Kat are three years older than me in case anyone didn't know. And they still hung out with me when I was going through my like complete 21 crazy like phase for like a little while there. So they, even once they were already graduated they were still in the trenches with me so bless you both but um so they created this bourbon they're hoping like it'll get to different audiences for people who are like my age and and younger i feel like there's been a resurgence of people watching it on netflix now so there's not a lot of women who drink bourbon and i think they're trying to get more women drinking bourbon through it Genius. genius it's absolutely genius i mean like what who is it it's a uh, Catherine mcnamara you always like talk about how it's like so cool that she drinks scotch that's like super rare like i don't know many women who drink scotch either no doubt yeah i feel like i don't have the numbers in front of me, but i think you're right i think the brown liquor is predominantly marketed towards men for sure absolutely i mean the only like dark liquor that i like is usually rum i mean i like i just said before i'll drink bailey's and i mean i'll drink kalua which is dark but um that's 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 about it like there's not really much I have whiskey in my house and my dad and my uncle are my uncle probably rivals you in like being a connoisseur of it. That man has like expensive shit up the wazoo in his own bar in his house. And so there there's very dedicated people in my family to the whole whiskey craze. So I'm, I'm trying really hard to get into all of it. Um, like, even my uncle and my dad want to go on the actual, like, whiskey trail or whatever it's called, where they make all of them and test all of them. Um, 
So I'm I'm trying for you guys. I'm trying really hard. Oh, by the way, quickly before we move on to some Coyotes conversation, you mentioned Ryan Reynolds and his gin. Go to his Twitter page at Van City Reynolds. He was apparently he had never seen Green Lantern. And he was drinking aviation gin while watching Green Lantern and live tweeting it. Genius stuff. It was so funny. Okay, first of all, I didn't hate that movie as much as everyone else hated it. I will say that. I don't mind it. Like, if it's on TV while I'm sitting at home, I'll watch it. And that's how he met his wife. And they are an amazing couple. So... There has to be some props to that movie. I forgot that Blake Lively was in that movie. She's a brunette. It's a little weird. Until, like, he tweeted about it. Like, let me see if I can bring it up here. Because he was like, oh, oh, hey, Blake Lively or whatever. And I was like, wait, what? Uh, she's in this movie? And yeah, apparently she is. I had no idea. I forgot. Because I've only, I've only seen it, like, I don't know, twice or something like that. I haven't watched it in... Forever. Yeah, he tweeted, hey, Blake Lively is in this movie. <laughs> Who does she play? Does she play Carol Ferris? His love interest. Oh, she so plays yeah. his love interest in the movie. So oh, so she plays she plays Carol Ferris then. Huh. Interesting. Yes. She's right. just a brunette. Yeah, oh, yep, had no idea. No clue. <laughs> I See, I think he says it, like, at the very end, he says, maybe it's the aviation gin talking, but Green Lantern was nothing to fear. Hundreds of incredible crew and cast members did amazing work, and while it's not perfect, it ain't a tragedy. Next time, I won't wait, wait a decade to watch. It's really not that bad of a movie, guys. I, I, think, I think people mostly hate it because the CGI was so bad. I don't get it. But at the same time, according to Katz, Ryan Reynolds could read me the phone book and I would still want to watch it on on a movie. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that for sure. For sure. Um, and just for the record, I, I, I just like have Ryan very similar humor. If you if you see Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds movies and you see his sarcasm and like him and his his wife and everything in there. I have very similar humor, so it's all very funny to me. It's not that it's Ryan Reynolds and he's good looking. I just really enjoy like his humor. So just saying, just putting that out there. <laughs> I like Ryan Reynolds too, just for the record. He's 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 funny and great. Perfect as Deadpool. Um, but yeah, anyway. Now that we've talked about booze for 20 minutes. I feel like we need a lot of booze to talk about the Arizona Coyote. So I feel like that's a very good transition here. So uh, we there's yeah, some stuff to talk about here relating to the Coyotes. First off, um, we're not going to talk about that Minnesota Wild series because it was goddamn awful. It was absolute trash. Uh, they got outscored 11 to 1. Six breakaways in three games with no goals. Six breakaways, three games, no goals. Yeah, yeah, it's, I don't, like, what the fuck, man? It's, <laughs> How can you get no goals off of six breakaways in three games? Yeah, be the Coyotes, I guess, Thanks. is what you do, right? Because Phil Kessel had, like, had two on, a, on the same shift, didn't score on them, right? Yo oh, Keller Mark, had one in that last game that was just brutal. Yeah, Keller had Overhandled one. the shit out of it. Johan Larson had one on a shorthanded chance to kind of get the Coyotes back in the game, and he blew it. He blew his chance too. It's just, yeah. Anyway, we're going. We're not going to talk about the rest of that series because it was so bad. <laughs> but zero um, and fourteen on the power play as well. Yeah, yeah. Same. Just keep bringing on the shitty stats. Pile on, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Pile just, on. just letting everyone know, making their day wonderful. But that leads to the question, is this, were those three games the low point of the season for this team? Because we know from past experience that the, this team and a lot of these players are very streaky. And that when they get hot, they can start rolling. But when they're bad, they're bad. And they were really, 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 really bad over the last three games. So 
I wonder, is this the low so, point of the season or is it going to get worse? So from like a performance standpoint, I would still say their performance against Colorado was worse. Um, however, um, considering the fact that they were playing Minnesota, not Colorado, like I would expect them to be God awful against um, Colorado. I would expect them to be only a little bit awful against the wild like i figured that they could at least still compete and so the fact that they only scored one goal in three games was infuriating like and i'm sure they're pissed off as well because of the fact that they aren't scoring and that is frustrating as hell and this team is so mentally in it that I don't know what's going to take to get them out of it. You're also in very unique situations with COVID where, um, you know, it's not like the world around you is a very um, relaxing place per se. So it's hard to um, kind of get your mind off things and, and let, let go. So I don't know what's going to get this team back on track, especially on the road. It, it's honestly been a mess. And I would definitely say that this is their low point. And uh, it's just the only thing that they can do that's worse from here is play like ass against the Ducks and then play horrible, you know, play horrible against a bad team too. And then you just feel worse. I, I genuinely think this will be their low point of the season. Uh, I think so too. I, I, I do. I just don't see how it could get worse. Unless you can, unless you go on back to Colorado and you get beat six to one, six to one, six to one, right? But at least I will say this: at least they didn't, at least they didn't lose nine to nothing, like the uh, Philadelphia Flyers lost nine to nothing to the New York Rangers on on Wednesday night, which is pretty crazy. But yeah, it's it's just a cavalcade of continued bad news for the Coyotes, right? You have the three bad games as it is. Then you get the news that Darcy Kemper's hurt and going to be out for, you know, a month or whatever. Then we get onto Uranta getting hurt again. Luckily, he's going to be back here after missing just one game. And then you have the bad power play. Then you have the bad, the bad, um, uh, the missed chances on, on the breakaways. You have the Coyotes being... Basically, let's see. Let me bring this up here a second because I, I want to say they're one of the – yeah, the Coyotes are dead last right now in shots per game at 25.6. Even the Anaheim Ducks have more shots per game than the Arizona Coyotes right now, which is wild. So they're they're not shooting. They're not scoring. Everybody, every one of their top players is seemingly in a rut right now. And that to me is is your low point because like I talked about in on the last episode I feel like these two games against Anaheim are going to be the get right games for the Coyotes where and we've seen from this team before right where once they once they start scoring you kind of see the dam break a little bit from this team because their confidence starts to build back up right these players go on hot streaks when Christian Dvorak was hot earlier this year he was ridiculously good. When Clayton Keller got hot to begin the season, he was rolling, right? All these players just start rolling, and it's infectious. And once that starts going, then the team can start rolling, start building back their confidence. Because I feel like that's the one that's what's missing from this team right now is they just have no confidence whatsoever. And they need confidence in order for this team to succeed. Because as we talked about, I think the confidence – breeds this team buying in it breeds all four lines playing well and up to their ability and it it it, and your defense and your goaltending to all working as a kind of symbiotic relationship and that's just not happening right now everything's chaotic so hopefully what we're seeing is the the dip here and then we'll see the the rise coming back and these two games against anaheim to me are are very important and they need to stop the skid or this thing's really going to get off the rails. Because imagine this scenario. What if they lose again to Anaheim? 
on Thursday night, tonight, if you're listening to us on Thursday. They lose again on Saturday. That, that would that would be their actual low. Like and then to, and then, to not to not just play bad, but to play bad against a bad team. Exactly. And it's not like that they haven't done that before, right? They played terrible against the Anaheim Ducks for most of those two games, right? They got behind three nothing for a reason. And imagine a scenario where that happens again. They fall behind, they're unable to come back, they can't score. And then they you go on to play Colorado and you get beat by them too. You lose six straight games. Then you start to wonder, okay, maybe it's time to make some changes to this team, right? Because the Buffalo Sabres did it. They fired Ralph Kruger. Um, that team is a goddamn mess right now. If you think the Coyotes are a mess, just go look at the Buffalo Sabres and what that team is doing. Like, just to put some perspective on this this team right now, the Coyotes are not are not in as bad a situation as like the Senators or the Red Wings or the or the Buffalo Sabres right now. But I, I agree with you. I think this is the, the low point of the season. I mean, it's got to be. For the sake of the team, it has to be. They, they have to come up from here. You can't... The, the, only wor- the only worst you can get, like you said, is by losing to lesser teams. And if they want to implode, they certainly can. And they certainly will. And that's the problem with this team is it's not fun to watch. It's not fun to watch them implode upon themselves all the time. And I know it's not fun for them to to play either. That It's got to be so frustrating to not perform, get bullied around every night, and, you know, have people throwing elbows in Connor Garland's face and just literally bullying this team there's no way it's fun for anyone involved i'm sure talk it is a little bit a little bit pissed off and a little bit freaking out because it's not looking good for him and it's not looking good for the players not one bit which brings me to the next point here which is i i kind of what we were just hinting at which, in my opinion, the Cowdies are officially going to be sellers at the deadline right now, which is coming up in April. So we're still a little less than a month away from it. But, and we've hinted at this before, which is like, yeah, they could want to sell some of these players off, but I don't think they're going to be, there's going to be anybody buying. And it's unfortunate for Bill Armstrong because Bill Armstrong would love to deal pretty much all of these players on expiring contracts, other teams and recoup some draft picks for them and start to restock that farm system basically and restock those draft picks that he's, it doesn't have, didn't have last year. And is not going to have this coming season. And so, yeah, it would be great to move adjacent to mirrors and an Alex Goligoski and an auntie Ronta. Right. But they're not, it's, I don't think it's going to happen because teams are around the league, especially contenders are, so strapped for up against the cap, right? We've seen the Tampa Bay Lightning have to maneuver there around their cap like crazy, like cutting, like moving guys to the up and down and doing some crazy gymnastics as the defending Stanley Cup champions is to enter the cap. So would it be nice for the Coyotes to sell? Absolutely and absolutely they should, and they should try and move on from all their expiring contracts. But unfortunately, I just don't foresee it happening. And and there's certain people like Auntie Ranta who should be who should be worth a lot more than he is. And prime example is what we saw with last game where Aiden Hill had to come in because Auntie Ranta was hurt again. You are now seeing that he is supposedly coming back and that it was just one game off. But then you again have to wonder. Is he coming back because he feels like he needs to come back? The team needs him to come back, but he's not fully healthy. And he's going to be coming back at about half or a third of his actual capabilities. And then he's more of a liability than he actually is an asset on the ice. And when you are, when it's a team that is highly needing um, goaltending 
to keep them in these games, given Aiden Hill probably only only that second goal is probably the only goal that he would really want back from um, that late last game against Minnesota. But in the same token, like the reason why Auntie Ronta probably isn't going to there, there's not going to get much for him is in the fact that he really spends most of his time injured. You can um, appreciate him when he plays well and he is on the ice, but he is injured so often. And Darcy Kemper is honestly trending in that same direction. You can't constantly be injured for half a season or more. Yeah, exactly. And that's, the frustrating thing about it is we're seeing the end of Antiranta's career in Arizona and it's going to pretty much end the same way it started, which is he was just injured all the time. And it's unfortunate because we saw Antiranta like at his best, right? Earlier, a couple, you know, uh, somewhat recently where, you know, he put up that had to make four, against Colorado, right? Where they lost in overtime. He made 44 saves on 46 shots, right? That's Antiranta that we know, right? And we dedicated a podcast to him. We did. Yes, exactly. After that game. And yeah, it's it's super unfortunate to kind of see how his career unfolded here in Arizona. And uh, and and uh, I, I don't know what, what – he's probably going to get hurt again, let's be honest, you know, but – who knows if somebody wants him at the deadline, I would, I would probably move on from him, you know, like I, and just roll with Aiden Hill for the rest of the season and Darcy Kemper when he comes back from injury. Right. Cause in my opinion, if teams are willing to take on these contracts or whatever for a mid round draft pick, you do it in a heartbeat. I don't care who it is. And you're, you're stuck in a situation again where you've, you're still low on draft picks because of all of the shit that was pulled when Chico was here. So it's just, you're in, it's one of those situations where you pull back a layer and it's just more shit. Basically. I like, I wish I could be more optimistic about that, but it's just, you, you clean up a layer of shit and another one appears. And that's, really frustrating because they are dealing with past debts that they are going to have to just keep on paying when this team is in such a struggling place. No one is performing the way that they were expected to. There's just not enough size. There's just not enough talent. It was very evident when you saw um, that first line of Minnesota out there just carving up the coyotes and there's nothing really optimistic that we can say about it outside of the fact that there are some guys that have shown that they have a purpose on this team and that they have talent, but not, not at the level. And I, and I said this last podcast, but not at the level that they're, they're wanting them to be at. They're making everyone play above their own capabilities there's players that shouldn't be on the line that they're on because of the fact that they just don't have that talent to be there. And it, it no, no matter how you slice it enough wishing and praying is not going to make them third line players when they're fourth line players, it's not going to make them second line players when they're third line players. So it, and certain people like Phil Kessel are starting to get older and they're starting to lose their step. And it's, some people might get mad at me for saying that, but it's it's slowly and slowly becoming more evident. And um, some people just aren't also playing to their expectations of them themselves and to the expectations of them being in leadership. And I will always call out OEL for that when, when OEL is not doing very well and he is supposed to be the leader of this, of this decor and none of them are playing very well either. So... Um, either there has to be some big shakeup or they have to, I don't know, kick themselves in, in the ass and try and get themselves back into it. But it's so far out at this point that I'm not sure what's going to bring them back. 
And uh, I think that's kind of a good, interesting way to transition into something you wanted to talk about, which is the ineffectiveness of the power play. And I know you mentioned the stat off the top. You said they were 0 for their last 14. Correct. Sorry, I had my mic muted. Correct. Oh, and 14. Well, you can go back even further a couple of games before that. And please follow along with me. So 0 for 14. Okay. Uh, is, let's see, that's 16, 20, 23. You go back to March the 5th. They are 2 for 23. And I'd also like to point out, too, in that last game, they had a five-minute major and a five-on-three with no calls. Just pointing that out, too. Yeah, yeah it, so they're, they it, have a 9% power, 9% power play for the month of March. Two for 23. Oi, that is awful. God-awful. You have to wonder, too. You saw talk it just full-blown screaming at Housley on the bench one, um, during one of the games. You have to wonder how he is feeling, too. You have to wonder if Housley's feeling a little nervous as well, like shaking in his boots, because that power play has been god-awful. Well, of course he is, and they've been trying to fix, like, Phil Housley was supposed to come in because he was well-known for being an offensive defenseman. He kind of was brought in to be a kind of power play master, I guess, and it just hasn't worked. So right now, Coyotes are sitting at 23rd in the NHL. On the power play, 18.4%. If you go back to last year, remember, they actually were better than advertised, right? They were, I believe, in the top half of the league last season and when it comes to their power play percentage. So they had their ups and downs, but for the most part, they were pretty much a league average team when it came to the power play. But this year, just, yeah, it's right back down towards the bottom of the league. And, uh, and the crazy thing is, you know, they have the talent, man, to do it, right? You have Phil Kessel, who made his name on the power play for multiple years in Pittsburgh. That's where a lot of his goals came off of as on the power play. And when the Coyotes brought him in, I thought that's kind of what we thought he might be able to do is kind of boost the power play because Phil Kessel, he's a shooter. He has a good shot. He's a goal scorer. And that's what they needed on their power play. And unfortunately, that hasn't come to fruition. And the Coyotes power play, like you said, when you have a five-minute power play and you get, what, one or two shots on goal on a five-minute power play and you don't really get some crazy – now, I don't know if you were able to watch that five-minute power play. I wasn't. I was driving at the time, so I was listening to it. But I feel like they just didn't I was get driving any... home from work. Yeah, I feel like they didn't get any great chances on that power play from what I, from just listening to Heater and, and Lindsay call the game. And it's like – what do you like? What are we doing here, man? Like, I don't know if you can change the personnel, but it, I don't know how to fix it. And I feel like that's kind of like the main point for this entire team as a whole is I don't know how to fix it. And neither does Rick talking at this point. Yeah, I, everyone seems just so frustrated. And you can see them just come, and the players are completely gripping their sticks. They're afraid to shoot the puck. It's just. It's such a mess right now that, like, the fact that this team has gone on this four-game losing streak and literally looks like they are out of their minds. And I don't think anyone has a solution for it other than the fact that there needs to be a change and there needs to be a big change. What that's going to be, I have no idea. But someone needs to figure it out that's that's smarter than me and you combined. Because someone needs to do something. Because the Titanic is going down and it's going down fast. There needs to be definitely, first and foremost, a massive mentality change with this team. They have to change the way that they are thinking and the way that they are feeling. Because the way that it's been translating onto the ice has just been complete and utter disarray and frustration. So I think that's definitely probably the place to start, but it there's a long ways to go. 
Oh yeah, one one hundred percent. And that brings me to our last Coyotes talking point before we move on to kind of wrap up here. And I saw this question posed on Twitter, and I thought it was interesting. And the essentially the question is, which player should be considered the core moving forward? And essentially the question here is, are there any players on this roster that are not tradable? That are the players that no matter what the asking price is, you're not going to trade this player. And I, I think there might be two guys on this roster right now that I would say I wouldn't trade. And that's Jacob Chikrin and Connor I have Garland. two as well. Jacob Same Chikrin. exact ones. Yeah, yeah. Those are the only two guys on this roster right now that have proven to me that they continue to show an improvement in their game. They continue to show leadership abilities. And those are the kind of players that you want on your team for a decade, right? And and other than that, this uh, you can blow the rest of that team up as far as I'm concerned because there's just Clay and Keller, he is what he is. He's going to be a 45. Like we talked about on the previous edition of the show, maybe not last year, but anytime we guessed and the people ask us about Clayton Keller and Clayton Keller is Clayton Keller. He's going to be your 45 to 60 point guy a season. He's never going to be an elite player in this league. And to me, that's expendable. If somebody else is willing to take on that contract, I think you may look at trading him in the off season, but yeah, I'm glad you agree with me that those are the two players that are kind of going to be the foundation of this team. 100%. I was going to, yeah, without even like knowing what you're going to say, I was going to say the exact same thing and everyone else is completely expendable. I just don't feel like people have either put in the effort or clearly the situation is not working well for them and they need new, new sites. You know, I just really don't think this is working out for a lot of people and they need to leave the relationship before it goes sour. Did you think about putting Christian Dvorak on your list? Cause I, I did too, but and I, I really like Christian Dvorak, but I feel like he's kind of the same way where he's just not, he's a really nice player. I feel like, and, and I feel like the team's better off having him on, on the roster, but at the same time, I wouldn't consider him untouchable in a trade. I agree. I, I mean, I would also say someone that I kind of like and, and, and wouldn't mind keeping is also Nick Schmaltz. He's streaky, but he has good moments. Yeah, and John Chaika, when he was a GM here, signed him up for a couple extra years. So he's going to, at least on paper, going to be around for a couple more years too. So um, before we wrap up the Coyotes conversation here, there was some really sad news that hit a lot of Coyotes media, some fans, and really the entire Valley pretty hard uh, this week. And Corey, you're closer to this than I am, but... Unfortunately, uh, Chuck Jared, who was the elevator operator for media at Healer River Arena for many years, passed away this week. And uh, I wanted to give you a couple minutes or a minute or so to talk about talk about him. I know you were uh, kind of shooken up by by his loss this week, and a lot of people were too. Yeah, honestly, I'm I'm. Uh trying to actually a little bit keep it together because it was um yeah it was kind of it was really rough for me when I found out because um there's not there's not of like a lot of really good happy people uh left in this world and he was definitely one of them he he he, um over the five six years working for the coyotes um just seeing him and his love for the game and his love for the players and everyone that would come in and out of his elevator was um one of the the brighter parts of of going there i like being there it's gonna be really weird not to see him in that elevator and just to be able to say hi to him and 
Um, he remembered everyone's name. He was always just so excited. He would literally every single time during intermission, he would talk to everyone and ask who scored the goals and then would, would look at the stat sheet and just literally start talking to you about the game. Exactly. Like, you know, uh, how excited he was for the player who scored and, and who's been playing good that night. And he, he just, he has a, a very, yeah, he, he had a very great heart and spirit about him. And it's funny because we used to, I think Greg had put something too about trying to get him to shut the um, elevator doors on, on Jeffrey and Rich, who are both in the PR team for the Coyotes. Um, I, Luke Lipinski would always try and do the same to me and Chuck would be like no Corey's coming why would I shut the why would I shut the elevator and uh Luke would be like you are so lucky that Chuck loves you and it was just so funny that um he just exuded such passion for um for everything sports in Arizona because he was also um big into baseball here in the state. So it it's really a, a quite a loss and one that I wasn't expecting and one that that really really hurt honestly when I found out. So um rest in peace Chuck, you will be very very missed and um it will never be the same and never be as happy without you. So uh we appreciate all that you've you did for us over the years. It was, uh, you were a light even when this team was uh, frustrating as it is right now. Very well said, Corey. Thanks for, for sharing that with the Sporty Nation. And uh, Pat, I pass along condolences to, uh, to his family as well. Um, very sad news this week for uh, Cody's media and, and others around the Valley too. All right. Um, that's going to uh, wrap up the show. I do believe um, we did have one more thing, but we're running long here. It's getting late, so we can save it for next week for the next show. I'm talking. We uh, I'm talking about the Snyder Cut after we've seen it, basically. At least after I've seen. It. I don't know if Corey's going to watch it or not, but by the time we rejoin here next week, yes, I will. Okay, good. <laughs> it's four hours long, so you hold on to your butts. Four hours long, and I'm not even surprised. It's like going back into the days of uh, of uh, Dark Knight movies. You gotta like not just grab some popcorn, but grab yourself a drink and some dinner, and maybe breakfast for the next day. Yep, and wear a diaper in case you don't want to don't want to get up during the movie at all. But we'll leave that for next week. Um, Follow the network at HockeyPodNet. Follow the show at Corey underscore Reggie Show on Twitter at Corey Reggie Show on Instagram. Follow Corey at Corey Nicole with two E's on Twitter. I am at RFlores91. DraftKings.com, DraftKings app. You can uh, play along with their college basketball eliminator pool that is getting underway either today on Thursday or tomorrow. Exciting stuff as the tournament gets started. I actually put in my entry because it's free to enter. Even here in Arizona, you can do it and you can play along for free. DraftKings.com, promo code THPN. Until next week, everybody, good night and good hockey.